Jesus, that by your stripes we are healed, that you would deliver and heal and set free. We give you the praise, bless this offering, multiply for your kingdom. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Let's come and give unto the Lord today. is good. Amen. As we are staying, we can go to the word of the Lord today. Uh, Exodus, the 17th chapter. Start reading in verse 8. The word of the Lord says, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel and Rephidim. Moses said unto Joshua, Choose out men and go out and fight with Amalek. And tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with the rod of God in mine hand. So Joshua did as Moses said unto him, and fought with Amalek, and Moses and Aaron and Hur went up to the top of the hill. came to pass, when Moses held up his hand, that Israel prevailed. When he let down his hand, Amalek prevailed. But Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone, and they put it under him, and he sat thereon, and Aaron and Hur stayed up his hands, the one on the one side, the other on the other side, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. Joshua discomfited Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword, and the Lord said unto Moses, Write this for a memorial in a book, and rehearse it in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. And Moses built an altar. And called the name of it Jehovah Nisi. Jehovah Nisi, which means God is my banner. Amen. So I want to preach to you today from this title, uh, Raise and Praise. Raise and Praise. Amen. Isn't God worthy of it? We're going to raise praise today. Amen. If you're going to preach with me, you may be seated. Amen. Raise and Praise is a catchy little phrase, but... Uh, you may also think about some other catchy phrases that say that. Uh, uh, Raisin Cane. Have you ever heard of Raisin Cane? Uh, well, we're not going to raise Cain. Uh, we as Christians, we shouldn't be doing Raisin Cain. Uh, obviously, Cain didn't do a, a good, pleasant thing. Uh, and so uh, we should be talk, doing more of what Brother John taught about today, about forgiving and loving uh, and, 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 and showing grace and mercy to others instead of raising Cain uh, and taking vengeance, amen, on people that may have hurt us uh, because the Lord knows that we need forgiveness from Him. We've done a whole lot more against God than people have done against us. And so who are we to hold a grudge or bitterness to somebody uh, because we've done far more worse things to God and if he wants to hold a grudge, then we are in real trouble. Amen. So we don't, as Christians, we don't raise Cain. Amen. We leave him buried, right? Uh, the, other, the other thing of, with that, raising Cain's, is a, is a fast food joint, a restaurant. Uh, and if you've ever been at one, uh, it's, it's delicious. If you see one, stop in. They have uh, awesome chicken tenders. Uh, and so they don't have any down here. Uh, I just checked. They have some in Tampa and Miami, but they need to get some here. Uh, so if you're ever driving through and you see this place called Raisin Canes, they're not killing people there. They're just killing chicken and making it good. So uh, it's a good place to stop in for some fast food 
lunch, but uh, we are the people of God. We're raising praise, right? That's what we do. That's what we love to do. We're going to lift up praises unto God no matter what is going on because he's been so good to us. Amen. And so the children of Israel here have grown far beyond uh, the 12 sons that Jacob had. It's amazing how such a small beginning uh, of a mighty nation uh, they were. And with everyone accounted for, they came into Egypt because of the famine that was in the land. And Joseph was already there making a way for them when they didn't even realize what they were doing. But uh, God worked everything out. Aren't you thankful that sometimes we don't know what we're doing, but God is four or five steps ahead and he's orchestrating things that even though we think it's, it's bad for us, God's actually working behind the scenes and what? It all turns out to be good. Somehow, some way, God gets the praise for it all. Amen. Even though it may be hard at times. Amen. God is making a way and his will is going to be done. All things work together for good uh, that love God and those that are called. And so they, his brothers obviously weren't pleasant to, J, to Joseph, but uh, God used that in a mighty way. And they came into Egypt looking for help and looking for food. And there is where the Bible declares the, the population of the nation of Israel at that point was 70 strong. There were 70 people in the, uh, uh, the nation, uh, that young nation of Israel. And so fast forward a couple hundred years, and conservative estimates placed a population around 1.8 million, 2 million people or so. And uh, a name change from the children of Israel to the nation of Israel can easily be applied here because now they're just not a a large family, now they're the size of a nation into the millions of people. And so they, they can be labeled a, a nation of people, but they haven't been officially declared one yet because they were still uh, slaves in Egypt. They were still bound and being ruled over by Pharaoh. In order to be a nation of your own, you have to have your own land, your own territory that you can say, this is our, uh, this is our land, this is our, our borders, and this is what God was doing when he was bringing them out. He's like, I'm gonna, I've got a place for you, the promised land, and I've got uh, to get you there so that you can become that mighty nation that I know you are. Sometimes we don't really see uh, what God sees in us, but I'm thankful that he doesn't give up on us. I'm thankful that he's still calling us and saying, I can overlook those things. I, I forget about your past, and I'll wash that under the blood of, uh, of my name, and you can be a new person in Christ Jesus. Amen. I'm thankful for the grace of God. Amen. Even when we come to him and we are obedient to the gospel and we repent of our sins and we are buried with him in the waters of baptism, uh, putting away that old self, that old life, and, and resurrected to that new being that he has called us to be. When we receive the Holy Ghost and speak in other tongues and God gets the glory and we begin that new life in him, even still after that, we, we still mess up and we still make mistakes and we still fall and we still... Uh, do things that we don't think we should do when we find ourselves, why are we doing this? And, uh, why, why, and we, we can easily beat ourselves up, and we, uh, we're the first people to disqualify ourselves, right, uh, from God's calling and, and from his purpose in our lives. But I'm here to tell you today that God even saw your mistakes that you make now, and he still called you and said, hey, you're still worthy. You're still, you can still come into my kingdom. You can still, uh, I still have a purpose and a place for you. He saw all of your mistakes that you made, not just out there in the world, but while you are still serving him in the kingdom of God, he saw those and he calculated those already, so you don't have to beat yourself up for those mistakes that you make now. He's already a for those on the cross when he died for you and me and I'm thankful that he uh, took all of that upon him so that we can still be here even though we know that we are not worthy God says still come 
I'm thankful for that invitation that is still always there. Uh, and so uh, the, the children of Israel are, are leaving Egypt, and, and we know the story, uh, how miraculous it is. Uh, and so they were living in the land of Goshen, Israel's best place, the most fertile ground. The, the best ground to grow things, that is where they were stationed. And the Egyptians recognized this and they said we need to do something about these people because they are greater and mightier than we are. And so this that's, that's such an interesting phrase because here's just a group of people that are just kind of just doing their own thing. While they're living in the land of Egypt, the most powerful nation on the earth at that time, a world superpower, and here comes a family of 70 people to live with them, and after years go by, Israel surpasses Egypt in their population, in their strength, and in their power, and how does that even happen? Well, Egypt obviously had such a big head start Because the numbers just don't make sense. They don't really seem to add up. How can 70 people uh, become more powerful than the most powerful nation uh, on the earth? And and that is from uh, Pharaoh's own words. He said they they are mightier than we. So he saw something in them. How do 70 people outgrow a a mighty nation? Well, the Egyptian, uh, their growth rate would have to be stunted or, 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 or restricted somehow, and Israel's growth rate or birth rate had to have been accelerated in order for these numbers for a group of 70 to surpass a nation that has already been established. And, and so, but here's the thing is that we know that Egyptians would offer their children as sacrifices to their gods. And so that would really affect their future numbers, and this obviously was to Israel's advantage because Egyptians were aborting other Egyptians and throwing them to the altars, and uh, and obviously Israel that is that is uh, against God's law and against the nature of uh, of law itself to kill the your children to kill the next generation. Why would you do that? Uh, except if you were offering up to some uh, sacrifice to some other ungodly uh, idol out there. And, but we also uh, know that God's hand was upon Israel, that they had the favor of God. And so uh, even though numbers really don't add up, God is, doesn't, uh, is not concerned about how outnumbered the people of God may be. Uh, It's not that he's not good at math, but our God is not concerned with numbers. We're the ones who look at the numbers and pull out the calculator and say, this really doesn't add up. God's already seen the end from the beginning. He isn't concerned that our calculations don't don't add up uh, because God is greater than any kind of force that the enemy may come against us with. Amen. We, we bite our nails and chew our, 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 our erasers off our fingers trying to figure out how is this going to work out. But then God comes over and says, uh, let's, he looks at our work and he says, you're doing it all wrong. And we say, no, that's how they taught me in school. Reading, writing, and arithmetic to analyze it and put the numbers together and two plus two is four and all of these things, and then he, uh, God comes over and he takes our paper and he, he crumbles it up and he throws it in the trash. He's like, you're never going to find the solution with a, a pencil and a calculator because your calculator does not have a button for faith. Your, yeah, it has a button for addition, subtraction, division, but it does not have a faith button on it. And you can't put faith into a formula that we know about. And so trying to figure out God's plan in our life without a, a faith button, and we're always going to come up short. It's never going to really work out in our minds, but that doesn't mean we don't keep putting that faith button and keep hitting that and say, God, I need a little bit more faith here. I don't know about you, but sometimes I get a little bit down on my faith, and i got to ask God, God, help my unbelief, because I know without faith it is impossible to please God, and we need more faith in our life. And so faith just says, give it to God. 
Faith just says, just raise your hands and start praising him anyways. Even though that the battle is not over, we're still got to praise him and saying, God, you're going to take us through it. You're going to bring us through. You're going to give us the victory. You're going to get us out of this situation. Without raising our praise, uh, we're not really into that level, into that realm, are we? We're just, we're, we're just worried about things. See, if, if, we, if we start to raise our hands and praise God and, and to get our hands away from the calculator, away from our paper, then we can really start to try to focus on what God is trying to say to us and what he's saying, just cast your cares upon me. Let me worry about that. Put the kingdom of God first in your life, and I'll take care of those details. I'll worry about all of that. That's not what I want you to do. I want you to be focused on me and keep giving God praise. Amen. And then God can do what he does best, and that is just do work miracles and, and signs and wonders and do things, turn things around. And, and he likes to make the devil look like an idiot. He likes to make the devil look like a fool. We don't, we don't need to try doing that. God does a really good job at that when the enemy shows up and we think we're cornered, we think we're outnumbered, and we're, we're at the end of our rope. But God likes to step in and say, hey, that's my child. That's my daughter. That's my son. You're going to leave them alone, and God's going to bring us through whatever it is because God likes to get the glory and he likes to make the enemy look like a, a, a fool because that's how our God is. He, he has all the power and the enemy doesn't have anything compared to him. And so when has God's people ever been in the majority? When have we ever had the upper hand and had the majority? You can go through all the, the biblical accounts as we just referenced Israel going into Egypt, they only had 70, and yet somehow they, were, they became the majority. Maybe not always in numbers, but it doesn't matter with our numbers what we see with our eyes. We have a heavenly host that's beside us and that's for us because if God is for us, who can be against us? There's more that are on our side than there is on the enemy's side. And so even though we may not look like we're in the majority with God, we have the majority. Amen. And so we got to keep our eyes and our mind focused on him. Really... Uh, it, it seems like in the Bible, really the only time that the people of God has really been in the majority is, I, I guess we can say, would be in the garden with Adam and Eve versus Satan. Two against one. That's when we, the people of God had the majority. And they had the power to, to rebuke him and to get him out of the, the garden, but they didn't do that. Uh, and so the only time... Uh, we had the majority. It didn't end up well for us. So I guess we should be okay on within the minority, right? Because that means God's going to make up the difference. Whenever we're in the majority and we think we, we have the, the, the upper hand, uh, we can easily be fooling ourselves. But if, if we always are the underdog, if we are always in the minority and the enemy is always outnumbering us, that's a really good place because that means we, we're going to have to seek God. Because if we think we can do it on our own, what do we need God for? But if we're always the underdog, if we're always the minority, that means we should always be leaning upon God. And we should always be raising praise to say, God, help me out of this situation. I can't do it. I can't figure it out. But uh, you can help. And so... If we are outnumbered, that is a good thing because that means God will make up the difference. And Jesus even admits that. He says, wide is the gate and many be there that go therein. That's the weight of destruction. But narrow is the gate and few be there that find it. Either Do you want to be with a majority or do you want to be with a few? The few are going to find it and the masses are going to miss it. And so it's not a bad thing to be... Uh, in the minority to be with the few because that means we're with God as long as we're following truth and following the path that he has established. And so uh, Moses, uh, he's, he feels this call on his life to deliver, to help his people out while they're in Egypt, obviously. And uh, he, he, he kills an Egyptian. The Bible sees him. This Egyptian was uh, 
beating up on a, a, a fellow Hebrew, and so he steps in and says, hey, I'm going to be their savior, and he kills the Egyptian and buries him in the sand, and he runs off and uh, fearful that uh, Pharaoh and all of them are going to find him out, which obviously you, you, if you did that, then uh, rightfully so. I mean, you can't, you can't do that and get away with it, especially in Egypt. And so Moses runs out and flees to the wilderness, but he comes back 40 years later, and he doesn't come back by himself. He comes back with a calling from God, an anointing from God. He comes back with a message from God. You see, we can try doing things on our own. We end up beating up a, a Egyptian and doing things, but that never ends up working out. What we need in our life is a call of God. We need a message of God in our life. We need to hear from God uh, our own burning bush experience to get us on that right path and say, this is the way it's going to be done not our way but it's got to be done God's way and he comes back even though it's just him and his brother he's got the whole heavenly host behind him as he helps bring them out of Egypt and so uh, so God strikes Egypt with 10 plagues and Israel is set free Moses leads them out through the waters and when Pharaoh uh, and his army, they're decimated and wiped out. And, and so, and if you think about it, Israel at that point in the world was the world's superpower. Everybody came to them because they had all the resources. Uh, and after Israel left, Israel or Egypt was just decimated. They were decimated. Everything was wiped out. Their livestock, their, their trees, their foliage, all the locusts and everything just Utterly destroyed, not their armies wiped out, their 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 livestock, their 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 farms, everything was utterly destroyed. A month a month earlier, they were the most powerful nation on the earth. But then they started messing with God's people, and so God steps in and, and just levels the, the most powerful country in the earth. That's what happens when God steps in to help his people. So don't tell me God can't get you out of any situation. He destroyed the nation of Egypt just to get his people out. What can he do for you? He can bring you out of your situation. You're not facing an entire uh, nation against you. Whatever you are facing, God can bring you you out if we are still willing to give him praise and to magnify him and to let him know that we need him to help us through this situation and so God crushes Egypt grinds him the powder everything is wiped out nearly and so nothing but ruins and shambles left of Egypt and so that's what happens when the enemies of God cross the line and God says, enough is enough. And so I'm thankful that God is on our side, that even though we don't have to deal with that uh, uh, that type of uh, nation or a problem that Israel had, uh, we know that nowadays our, our weapons are not uh, of the flesh. Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. Because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You see, we got to cast down imaginations, get that unbelief out of our mind. The, the, the distress, the, the down and the, the oppression, you get those things out of our mind. Every high thing that has exalted itself against the knowledge and the will of God, that needs to be brought down because we want God's will to be done. And every thought to be taken captive to the obedience of Christ. And so every high thing must come down that is not of God. We don't want it to, be, to grow or to strengthen in our lives. No, everything must come down. Every stronghold must be smashed in the name of Jesus. Every devil and every giant is going to bow at the name of Jesus. And so we're going to raise for praise. We're going to magnify God. We don't need to worry about if the enemy is going to get away with it. The enemy is not going to get away with it because God is going to make sure Sure that everything is brought down to the name of Jesus. Amen. What a sight that is. I mean, we, we may think about every knee as in every person bowing at the name of Jesus, but the Bible says of things in heaven, things in the earth, 
and things under the earth is going to bow. What a sight to see all the devils bowing at the name of Jesus. The devil himself bowing at the name. That's going to happen one day. Uh, That's why they fear the name of Jesus. But that's why we praise the name of Jesus. Because that is the name given among, no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. That it's the name of Jesus, amen, that we call upon and that we praise. Amen. And so Israel makes it out and they wander in the wilderness They've been traveling for three days without water. They finally come to a little place of, with water, and it's, uh, they get so excited, but the water is, is bitter water, and, and so, but God heals it, and they're able to drink it. But uh, God tells them, if you listen to me and you follow my commandments, I will take care of you, and I will provide for you. That, that message is still the same today. As long as we are submit ourselves to the word of God, God will take care of his people. Amen. We submit to his ways and his word, and we listen to God. He'll take care of us. And so then they came to a place called Elam, where there was 12 wells of water, 70 palm trees, and God showing his people that he will not only fight for them, but that he will also provide for them in the promised land. And so there's a a place of relief there in Elam. And then they go into the wilderness called Sin. It doesn't sound like a place you want to be very long, the wilderness of Sin. And so here... Here in the wilderness, they cried out to God for help. You've provided water for us, but now we are hungry. And so it is here in the wilderness of sin does God introduce manna in the morning and quail in the evening. And so free food for the people of God. We love free food. We still, as a people of God, we still love food, right? Amen. And so... uh, Put down the unleavened bread and let's start making some pancakes and biscuits and gravy and with this manna. Uh, hopefully they had that idea. Uh, sadly, there was no bacon, so that kind of ruins everything. But, but at least you can do some kind of, well, you can't, biscuits and gravy would be lamb gravy, right? It wouldn't be, it wouldn't be pork gravy. But it's still good, I guess. Better than nothing. Uh, and so they leave the wilderness of sin and they come to a place called Rephidim where we, where we read about in our text here. Uh, this place had no water and the people started to get a little upset because they're thirsty. Uh, and, and, you know, after I eat biscuits and gravy, I get really thirsty too, so I can relate. Uh, and so it seems like God, it seems like God didn't give them everything at once. He didn't answer all their requests at once. At this place, he gave them water. At this place, he gave them manna and, and, and quail. Uh, and so uh, what would Israel had done if God had given them everything at once? If they got to this wilderness of sin and everything was there, plenty of food, plenty of water, uh, plenty of everything you need, Uh, What would happen to them? Probably the same thing that would happen if God gave us everything that we are asking for. And we we'd uh, we'd set up camp and say, "Man, this is this is where I'm living. Everything's right here. There's no need to go any further. I've got everything that I need right here, and I'm not moving an inch because it's all right here provided for me." Uh, But the truth is, Israel didn't have everything at once, but Israel never went without. God always made sure he provided their needs, but they had enough to sustain them uh, and to get them to where they were going. God did not want to pull out the buffet right there because then they would never want to leave and go to the promised land. As good as God may bless us right here, I still want to keep moving forward because there's a promised land somewhere down that dusty road. And I want to make sure that's where I want to go. As good as it may get right here, as God, many blessings God may pour out right here, we don't need to get satisfied where we're at because God is calling us to a higher place. He's calling us to a deep deeper level with him, and if we get satisfied where we're at right now, then we'll never have the desire to move forward. And so uh, God had a place for them 
that was flowing with milk and honey. Now that sounds a lot better than whatever is in the wilderness of sin. Uh, and so he's got a place for them that they can live permanently. Uh, that could be their own territory, their own grounds. But they had to keep moving forward. And he's always trying to bring them to a, a better place. And so sometimes we have to go through some wildernesses. And, and But we don't need to be afraid because even in our wilderness, God will provide for us. He's not going to lead us all the way out there and let us to die in the wilderness. No. Whatever purpose or plan he has for us out there, he will sustain us and bring us through that. And so if you're in a wilderness right now, just keep on praising God. Keep on raising your praise because it's only a matter of time till you get out of that wilderness and you can begin to step into the promised land, the places that God has prepared for you, but you got you can't be satisfied where you're at and you can't get so depressed and beat yourself up that you don't even move either. But if we keep raising praise, we keep our eyes on God and say this is only a temporary place, that we're just trying to pass through, that this world is not our home, we're just passing through here. Amen. We're not going to get bogged down by what this world does to us or says to us or what people say, but we're going to keep focused on God because uh, this place is not our home. We're going to go uh, on the, the place where there's streets of gold, where Sister Carolyn is now. Amen. She's... She's not, she's not sad. She's, probably, she's saying, don't you cry for me. But we got to stay focused and stay faithful to the course, to the call of God. Amen. To a place where there's no more pain, no more heartache. And, and that's where we want to keep moving forward. And the way to keep focused is to keep raising praise because that unplugs you from your surroundings and say, I need a help from heaven. I need a touch from heaven. I need God to put his hand on me. And the way he's going to put his hand out on you is you got to raise your hand up. You got to raise some praise up so that he can grab a hold of your hand. I need some help from heaven to get me through this valley to get me through this wilderness. And so keep on raising praise, and God's going to reach his hand into your situation. But if we're never raising praise, we're never lifting up our hands, uh, then how's he going to get a hold of us? Because every time you raise your hands, you're looking for, for some kind of help. It's a sign of surrender. Every time my littlest one wants me to, come, wants me to pick her up, what does she do? Raise your hand. If she doesn't do that, then she stands there. I don't know that she wants me to pick her up unless she starts saying stuff, but she's on her way there. <laughs> it's so cute. One of her, her newest phrases this week is she says, what happened? She can't say much, but there's a few things. She said, what happened? It's just so cute. Hopefully she, you can hear her say that, but... Uh, so she doesn't have to say anything. All she's got to do is raise her hands, and I know I'm going to pick her up. That's the same thing with us and God. Why, why do we not raise our hands? Why do we try to figure things out? The sooner we raise our hands, the sooner Jesus knows, okay, you want me to pick you up? You want me to intervene in your situation? Let's start raising praise to God, and he'll come because he inhabits the praises of his people. And so the sooner we can do that, the sooner we can get our minds off our problems, our minds on Jesus because we're looking to the hills. We're cometh our help. It comes from the Lord. And and so our hands need to go up and to praise him uh, because that is what he does. Uh, and so here in Rephidim, they've, in, in this wilderness, the Bible says our text, then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rephidim. So here Israel was just barely making it. Exhaustion from constantly on the move because God's trying to get them. Hey, I've got. We don't need to hang out here too long. We're we're gonna we're gonna beeline it right to the uh, to the promised land, and so they're exhausted from constantly on the move and uh, nonstop since Egypt and running low on food and water at times. But learning that we needed to lean upon God, and God supplied their need and kept on moving. And, and so uh, here. Uh, they've been, uh, Amalek comes and fights against them. 
It, it seems like uh, whenever you're at your weakest moment, the devil really likes to show up, doesn't he? When it rains, it pours, they say, right? Uh, and so uh, we, we know that uh, here Israel is probably at their weakest point and frustration's high, fatigue's high. And the last thing that you want to do is to go into war and to fight somebody. And so, but Amalek uh, does something a little bit different. Amalek sneaks up on them and attacks them from behind. He flanks them, and uh, we see this in Deuteronomy 25 as, as uh, Moses is writing this down. And it says, remember what Amalek did unto thee by the way when you were come forth out of Egypt, how he met thee by the way and smote the hindmost of thee, even all that were uh, feeble behind thee. And when thou wast faint and weary, he did not fear God. And so Amalek attacked those that were their weakest, uh, those that were fallen behind, and, and those that were struggling. And, and so this was a, uh, a cowardly move by Amalek to do a sneak attack on the weak and the feeble people. But the Bible says that Israel defeated them anyways. But, but why didn't Israel, or why didn't Amalek uh, attack Israel head on and face them while they were at their best? Uh, because uh, we'll send out our best to fight you. Amalot, Amalek wanted to attack them at their weakest point. And so at this point, Moses went up to the top of the hill, and he began to raise his hands and raise the rod of God. Uh, and as long as the Bible says, as long as his hands were raised, Israel was winning the battle. But whenever his hands dropped, uh, Amalek began to win. Uh, and so Aaron and her realized this and said, we've got to do something about this. And so they sat Moses down and they held his hands high and they held him all the day long because they, uh, they knew that as long as his hands were up, God was going to intervene and, and, and to bring them the victory. Uh, and so, uh, which means um, God is in, tr- in control. Uh, and so what happens was after God gave them the victory, Moses, the Bible says, Moses built an altar and called the, this place Jehovah Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner. What do you do with banners? You raise them up. You lift them up as high as you can because you want that message to be known. You want that, that to be out there, that the enemy, you want everyone to see your banner uh, waving high. And you don't have a banner and you don't hold it down. No, if you get a banner, you hold it up because you want to show that off. And, uh, and our banner is praise. Whenever we lift up our hands in praise, we're, we're magnifying God. We're letting the enemy know that, hey, no matter how bad you think you're doing against me, I'm going to raise up my banner. I'm going to raise up praise so that God can intervene in my situation. Uh, And so that happens only when we begin to keep lifting up our hands, that God can do the best in us and through us and bring us out of that situation. But if we're never raising our hands... That means we're, we're not focusing on God and we're trying to figure things out ourselves. Joshua and the men that were fighting down there in the battle, I don't think they realized what was going on. They were just trying to fight. And uh, for them to try to figure out why is it that sometimes we're winning and sometimes we're losing, what's going on? I mean, they could have uh, been so distracted and all that, trying to figure all this out. But the answer was, Moses was up on the mountain when his hands were up, when he was praising God, amen, the, the people of God were winning. And so that's why uh, no matter how bad it gets in our situation, we got to make sure that we're raising our hands, we're raising praise. That's why it's so easy to come in here on a Sunday and just raise our hands. I, I'm not going to come and not lift them up because God has been so good to me. I may have had a bad week, but hey, I still got to raise up some praise. 
ways so that God can intervene in my situation. And I'm not going to let the enemy stop me from praising. If it, if it takes me so hard to get to church, that means I'm going to praise even more. If I barely make it to church, that means I'm going to make sure I'm going to praise my best. I'm going to worship my best. I'm going to dance like David danced. Why? I finally made it here. The devil's trying to prevent me and keep me from raising praise, but I'm going to make sure that I'm going to do that no matter what it takes. No matter if somebody has to hold up my hands in prayer and keep me lifted up, i got to make sure my hands are raised in praise so that God can do something in me and through me and lift me up out of my situation. God wants to lift somebody up today, but you got to lift up your hands. you got to raise up some praise so that God can bring you out, pull you up out of that situation. Come on, that's it. That's what God needs today to forget about your problems. Say, God, I'm here. I'm going to magnify you no matter what happens. I'm going to lift you up today because you are the great I am. You are the one who can and bring me through this. Hallelujah, hallelujah. He is worthy of our praise. He is worthy of our praise. Musicians, if you can come, we're just going to praise the Lord today. We may have had a bad day, but hey, God is still good. We may have had a bad month, but hey, God is still good. That's not going to keep me from praising God because he is my healer. He is my deliverer. We need him more than ever before. If you're going through a situation, why don't you just raise your hand? Why don't you just step out in faith today and say, hey, I'm going to let God help me. I want God to intervene in my situation. Why don't you come on, step out in faith. We're going we're gonna to worship the Lord here and let God have his way in this place. And man, God wants to heal somebody today, but you got to let him know, hey, God, I'm right here. God wants to deliver somebody today, but why don't you come down with your hands lifted and say, God, here I am in this place today. I'm going to praise you and magnify you because that is who you are. That is what God is. Even though he knows everything, it's something about when he hears the cry of his people. You as, you as parents, you know when you're, uh, things are going on in your home and in your kid's life, but it just does something to you when you hear your kids actually say and cry out and ask for help or, or come to you. And so that's what, that's what God knows. He knows your need. He knows your situation, but he, he wants to hear from your voice. He wants to see your actions and say, yes, God, I surrender to you today. I know that you're fighting for me, and I can't get it through on my own. I'm at my weakest point. The enemy's attacking me, surrounding me, but hey, we're going to walk out of here and be victorious today. God's going to be fighting for us. He, we're going to be victorious in Jesus' name. Come on, bring your battles down here. Bring your problems down here. And we're going to praise the Lord together. And we're going to declare the victory here in this place today. Come on, what is it that you need? What is it you need from God? Bring that need down here today. And we're going to raise praise in this place and let God have his way. Come on, let's worship him today. Let's magnify him in this place. Hallelujah, hallelujah. It may be bad at home, but I'm getting reinforcements here today. I'm getting re-encouraged here today. Hallelujah. What is God going to do for you today? Come on, what do you need from him today? Hallelujah, Jesus. He is for us. Who can be against us? Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on. We're not going to let the enemy be louder than us today. We're going to shout higher. We're going to shout to the heavens today. Hallelujah. But we are on God's side. We are on the winning side. Come on. We're going to be victorious today. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Step out of the shadow. Hallelujah. Step out of the grave. 
been lifted. That weight has been lifted.
to you and they'll say why are you doing that why are you still going to church and if you're still raising praise you can say you'll see here in a minute when God shows up and it brings me through I'm I, I I'm not praising him for what's going on right now I'm praising him for what he's getting ready to do in my life in my situation because I see the victory I see the faith That's what I'm praising God for right now. And so God needs us to keep on raising praise so that he can do what he does best and inhabit the praise of his people and do a mighty work in us 